Last fall, OHSU welcomed human resources professional Kiana Williams as our new and first ever chief people officer. I spoke with Kiana about her work as a change agent, the women who have influenced her, and the one thing that the OHSU interview process did not prepare her for. It's March 2023, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Kelsey Hewell. Kiana, welcome and thank you for speaking with me today. Hi, Kelsey. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here today. You're newer to Oregon, so could you tell us what your favorite discoveries about the state have been so far? There's been so much. I think my favorite thing so far is definitely the hiking. Um, So I've had the opportunity to get out and do some hiking on my own. I went to the Rose Garden and hiked up to Pittock Mansion. Um, So I did that by myself, probably like within the first few weeks that I have been here. And then I actually just recently joined like um, a group of hikers called Afro Nature and did a hike recently as well. So that's been my favorite part so far. Very cool. So since joining OHSU last fall, you've embodied the term hit the ground running with a clear vision (laughs) and structure for HR and OHSU. How would you characterize your first few months in the role? Well, you know, I appreciate you saying that because it, you know, really was my intention that, you know, coming into the organization that people would really feel the change and feel it in a really positive way. I know that, you know, across the organization, there have been a lot of things that people have been waiting for. And, you know, I didn't want people to feel like, oh, you know, she's going to spend another year kind of bicycling around the organization, figuring things out before, you know, we get some relief or we start to see changes. And so it was really my intention that, you know, to identify what are those things that we can, you know, really do quickly to bring some relief to folks, to give them a sense of hope that, you know, change was afoot (laughs) and then, you know, we could get to those bigger things. So I hope that's what people are feeling and experiencing. I think so. Could you describe a little bit about how you came to figuring out all those pieces? Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to really spend some time listening and learning. You know, that was kind of my mantra, you know, as I came into the organization. So, you know, we hosted a series of coffees with Kiana where I drank tea, but, (laughs) you know, where it was really an opportunity to hear from folks across the organization at every level. And then, you know, one-on-one conversations. So people who couldn't make one of the coffees with Kiana, you know, I, I had a lot of office hours, which I know was something that, you know, Dr. Jacobs had done when he first came into the organization as well. And then, you know, I I read, you know, I read, you know, the Covington report and, you know, the OHSU 2025 and, you know, looked at minutes from board meetings and just really tried to immerse myself in, you know, everything that I could to really understand where the organization had been, what the culture of the organization was, what made it so great. And, you know, that was really how I learned. I love that. Important follow-up question to that. What is your favorite type of tea? (laughs) So I love a good green tea. I'm really on a matcha kick right now, too. Oh, Um, it's so good. Absolutely. (laughs) What'd you say? It's so good. I love matcha. Yes, matcha with coconut milk, like hot, it's so wonderful. But my absolute favorite drink right now is the Citrus Defender or Medicine Ball that you can get at Starbucks. I love it so much. I'm going to have to try that. (laughs) Has there been anything about OHSU in this role that surprised you? 
You know, one of the things that I think is just a true credit to the process that I went through is, is that I think I got a, a very realistic job preview. You know, a lot of times you hear from candidates like, oh, this isn't necessarily the job that I thought it was. But, you know, I thought the process that I went through really, you know, kind of gave me a bird's eye view to the job that I was coming into, the organization and the people. So I can't really say anything surprising. Oh, well, nothing about the organization surprised me, but the one thing that I think everybody used as a sell, selling point was that I wouldn't have to shovel rain. And yet <laughs> <laughs> there's been more than my fair share of snow since I've been here. <laughs> it's been kind of a remarkable winter. <laughs> Your 30, 60, 90 day plan outlines some big changes on a pretty aggressive timeline. Beyond those specific initiatives, the chief people officer role was intentionally designed as a significant change agent for the organization. So as a leader of change, what do you believe is key to positive, sustainable change? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that been talking a lot about with respect to change is, you know, understanding the pace of change, understanding, you know, how much change, right? Like when people have kind of reached a certain change threshold, but then also, and I think this is probably, you know, the bigger one is, you know, appreciating that people move through the change curve differently. And some of that is based on how long they've had the information and, and people get information at, at differing points. And so as leaders, right, we often, you know, have the information for a longer period of time than the folks who report to us. And so we have to extend grace when people aren't ready to move on the change just because we're ready. And, and it's because we've had longer to sit with it. We've had longer to digest it. And so how do we help people move through the change curve in a way that honors them, honors the decisions that we're making, but also honors, you know, sometimes that we have to move more quickly. And I think helping, I think my biggest aha over the last few weeks is, you know, wanting to ensure that we're always being mindful of that aspect of change. It is so hard. Speaking of that, and I guess more broadly, how can each of us, regardless of role, be agents of change? You know, it's really about reflecting, right? So being reflective of the change, how we're experiencing it, and if we're resistant to it, you know, really pausing and understanding why we're being resistant to that change. You know, I think about you know, we're in Women's History Month and, you know, I think about, you know, the, the pace of change related to some of the gains that women have made over time, right? And, you know, if we paused those changes, right, if we paused that progress because everybody wasn't ready or, you know, um, it didn't feel comfortable to everyone, think about, you know, how far behind we would be. I mean, we just came out of Black History Month, right? And it's this it's yeah. the same thing, right? You know, that sometimes, you know, we have to push for change, even though, you know, the folks around us may not be as comfortable. And so, you know, just truly understanding kind of what is our North Star? And if I'm resistant to that change, why am I resistant to the change? I was sharing this with someone earlier today. Is it because I'm so 
used to how we've always done things. And because of that, I, I want to stay in the familiar or, you know, am I pushing back on it because, you know, I really don't feel hurt and I really feel like there's a piece of the puzzle that people are missing. And if it truly is because I'm just tied to how things have always been done and I'm reticent to kind of embark on something new, then that's probably some individual work that I need to do, right? That's probably yeah. some self-reflection that I need to do. Um, but if it really is, you know, related to, you know, I think this is going to be harmful or, you know, I don't understand then I should speak up and, you know, seek to understand. Yeah. As you mentioned, March is Women's History Month. Who are the women who've had an influence on your life or are role models for your leadership? You know, there are so many women who have um, made a mark on me. I mean, you know, from my mother, you know, to, you know, my grandmother. I, you know, I often tell this story of, or my grandmother often tells the story of, you know, me being a four-year-old walking around with a newspaper under my arm. And she said, you know, at the, from a very early age, she always knew that I was going to be a leader, that I was going to, you know, just be, um, you know, very successful. Um, yeah. And, and it was that vision because she would tell the story all the time. Anybody who would listen, she would tell this story. And I feel like I got the vision for what was possible by her constantly feeding me that story, like constantly telling me that I could do anything, constantly telling me that I was destined for success and greatness and all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, she's kind of the constant voice in my head, just reminding me of this little girl who she saw all this promise in. And then the other person who um, I just adore, you know, I don't know her personally, but Ella Baker. So she and I, I talked about this at, um, you know, the Black History Program here at OHSU. But, you know, she was truly, truly an unsung hero of the civil rights movement. She always worked behind the scenes. You know, she was corralling preachers and, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know, you can imagine how challenging it was to corral preachers. And then she started <laughs> working with college students and you can imagine how it was to corral college students. But she just was, you know, just, the, you know, so ahead of her time and, you know, just constantly, you know, was doing things that, you know, kind of pushed the movement forward. And we truly wouldn't have the gains that we've had without her work. And then the last person I'll say is just because, you know, my alter ego is, you know, a writer at heart, um, Toni Morrison. So she's, you know, by far, you know, one of my uh, most favorite um, authors, writers, but also just her sense of history and her sense of the importance of work that she was doing and, you know, her centering Black women in her, you know, books um, just always was so important to me. So those are the women. Those are great. What advice would you have for women in the workplace? So like me, 
Absolutely. So, you know, I think first and foremost, kind of like my grandmother, you know, getting a vision, getting a vision for, you know, what you want to do. And even if that's borrowing somebody else's vision until you can have the vision for yourself, right? I just think yeah. it's important to have a North Star, you know, something that you are pointed towards that, you know, helps you continue to put one foot in front of the other. The other thing is I think it's important to make sure that you have a voice, right, to ensure that in every room that you're in, that at some, in some way, shape, or form, you've gotten your ideas, you've gotten your voice, you've gotten the things that you believe matter out on the table. Um, because there are, you know, women who, you know, aren't in the room, right, who are counting on us to, you know, be a, be that voice. And it's not just on women's issues, right, but it's about, right. you know, ensuring that, you know, we're creating a space so that the next person, you know, behind us doesn't have to work so hard, you know, to have a space. And then the other thing that I would say is, you know, to dream big, right, like, not to limit ourselves by, you know, what other people think we can or can't do, but to push past, you know, those boundaries of what's possible. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know how often I've told this story here, but um, uh, my, the first time I went to graduate school at, the, at Xavier University, I, you know, I applied for school, got in and got super excited. And um, it was probably two months before I was supposed to start my program, I found out that I was pregnant with my second child. I was telling my husband at the time, like, oh my gosh. And he was like, what are you gonna do? And without hesitation, I said, you know, I'm going to do my program. Like women have done much harder things throughout history than, <laughs> you know, have a baby while going to school. And so I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, and I figured it out, you know, and, you know, the beautiful thing was, you know, my son, um, you know, I would take him to class with me from time to time and, you know, step out, you know, when I needed to, to nurse and all of those types of things. And he actually became the class baby. And, you know, that I finished my that. program. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if I had, you know, probably listened to other people, you know, I might have said, oh, I need to put this on hold, you know, I'll come back around and do it. Um, but, you know, I, I believe that I could, which also doesn't mean that, you know, somebody who decides not to do it, you know, made the wrong choice for themselves, you know, because, you know, we also have to be okay with saying no or putting things on pause as well. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Thank you. So last question, as you look past implementation of the 306090 initiatives, what's next that you're excited for? Yeah, so I'm excited about, you know, really getting to the culture work that, you know, is going to be transformative for the organization. And this is really about, you know, the 306090 is right, is foundational. It's like, you know, putting you know, the foundation of the house in place, right? So that we can truly get to, you know, the framing and, you know, buying the furniture and, you know, building a home. And yeah. that's how I see the next phases of our work really is that transformation that we all want to, you know, have the culture that we want at OHSU. One of the things that I have, you know, said, you know, in a number of forums is, is that I'm looking forward to the time where we're, we no longer talk about the Covington work, quote unquote, right? But we just talk about that work as who we are as an organization. That's the work that's ahead of us. 
Yeah, I'm excited for that. Well, thank you, Kian. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, absolutely. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced by Lisa Carter and Kelsey Huall and edited by Edcom. See you soon.